Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LaBase. Uh, Lori LaBay, I know my name, uh, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease continue to live with purpose and to stay engaged not only with their family and friends, but with their community at large. And we know that at our core, um, we are starting to win this battle against dementia um, we're seeing the collaborations come together all or, all over the world. And um, we really have to thank you, our listeners, for um, helping Alzheimer's Speaks have such a, a huge um, profile um, on the Internet. Um, you see it's through your likes, your shares, your clicks with your um, Twitter tribes, your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest peeps, um, that you... You got uh, Alzheimer's Speaks named the number one influencer online, according to Share Care and Dr. Oz. And that wasn't us. That was you. And um, we, we really value um, your, your work and your effort and your time to, to share our information. We really feel that the more information that is out to the public, the easier it's going to be for people to grab when they're ready. And um, we just feel that that's so, so important. The other thing you might not know about us here at Alzheimer's Speaks is we're about giving voice to everyone. So if you happen to be somebody diagnosed with dementia um, or maybe think that you um, are having some issues with it, um, we would love to hear from you. If you're a family or a friend um, who is caring for somebody and wants to share their journey, maybe you're a researcher, an advocate, maybe you're an author, a singer-songwriter, a director, um, Again, we believe it takes all of us um, as a society to make a difference. So, you know, reach out to me. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and um, just click on the contact button. And uh, let's have a conversation and um, see if your, your story is something that we can share here on our platform. Uh, before I introduce our guest today, I do want to give you um, the opportunity to take advantage of just uh, two free trials one is for fresh books. So if you're like me and you need some help kind of staying organized with your finances, you can get a um, free 30-day trial by going to gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. That's gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. The other offer um, that you can take advantage of is through Audible. And Audible has uh, Audible books, um, and you can download a book, again, for a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash social. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash social. So uh, today's guest, I am really excited to have. Uh, we have had her scheduled for some time on the show, but uh, between schedules, it, it it got pushed out here to July, and she just has some fabulous information. Her name is uh, Barbara Cohn, and she is a health writer and certified nutrition educator who offers support to caregivers. She helps guide them to make healthy food choices and lifestyle choices. And she also cared for her husband who died from younger onset Alzheimer's disease. So she gets us um, here at Alzheimer's Speaks and, um, and those that, that um, follow us in our community. She has written a book to help caregivers and their care partners experience more energy, more restful sleep, increased relaxation, and just that sense of inner peace. And her book, I think, is perfectly titled. It's called Calmer Waters, The Caregiver Journey Through Alzheimer's and Dementia. And it was just released June 1st, so just a little over a month and a half ago. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me, and thank you for what you're doing. Well, you know, like I said, it takes us all working together, and um, your book is just filled with such uh, great Great insights. Um, so, Barbara, can you give us a little background for our audience about your um, your relationship with your husband, and you know, when did you start seeing signs with his early onset, and what was that like for you? Sure. Um, I was forty eight years old. My husband Morris was twelve years older than I, and I first started noticing things were strange when. He was getting lost driving around our hometown. He was having trouble calculating a tip to leave in a restaurant. This was a man who went to the Wharton School of Finance, and he was a whiz with numbers and money. We went to Spain for our 25th wedding anniversary, and he was unable to compute the monetary exchange and he was losing his temper he just was not the same man that he had been and I truthfully started noticing changes after he had a heart attack 10 years before he was diagnosed so something started happening way before the diagnosis in, in 2001 when he was just turning 60 years old. It was devastating for me and my family, and my two children were still fairly young. My son was in his last year of high school when... I was asking my husband to go see a doctor, but he refused for two years. And when he was finally diagnosed, my son was a junior in college and my daughter was a freshman in high school. And I did something that I do not advise people to do. I waited to tell them for an entire year because I was trying to protect them. I wanted my daughter to have at least one normal year of college. But in retrospect, it was 
so much harder on me to try to pretend that everything was okay. I did tell our family and I told close friends, but I was I was expecting, I was praying for a miracle which never came. I was hoping for divine intervention which never came. And because I was a health writer researcher for manufacturers of nutritional supplements, I was always researching the latest and the greatest silver bullet to try to stave off mental decline. And yes, some of the things that I use definitely did help. And I write about that in in the book, Calmer Waters, The Caregiver's Journey Through Alzheimer's and Dementia. And because of all the healing modalities and the nutrients that I used and the the diet that I gave to Morris, um, his doctor said that he outlived his prognosis by a couple of years. Of course, we don't know exactly why that was, but things seemed to go a little bit more smoothly than with some of the other patients that he ended up living in community with the last two years of his life. Okay. Well, great. Now, one of the things that, um, that I'm sure you've researched over time is is probably what is the number one health concern that uh, caregivers face. And um, uh, my guess is that you've looked into that. Can you, can you share what you believe that is? Sure. Um, well, the whole purpose of my writing the book was to help caregivers reduce their stress and to feel happier and healthier to sleep better, to finally, ultimately experience some inner peace. And stress, by far, is the number one health issue because stress can result in all kinds of chronic disease for the caregiver, and sometimes the caregiver will end up dying before the person they are taking care of. And the physiological um, explanation is that when we're chronically stressed, the body's fight or flight response gets turned off and it forgets to turn itself off. So when the body's in a constant state of emergency alert, those adrenal glands, the tiny walnut-shaped glands that sit on top of the kidneys, get stuck in the on position. And they produce an excess of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, This can lead to all kinds of health problems, including sleep issues, weight gain, um, cardiovascular disease, and sometimes when we experience this, the liver releases too much glucose and fatty acids into the bloodstream. So when the excess glucose gets unused, The body has to produce an enormous amount of insulin to handle it, and this in itself can result in health issues like weight gain, diabetes, hypoglycemia. So we want to try to tamper that stress, and there are so many great tools and techniques in the book for doing that. Okay. 
Can you can you tell us, you know, about your book, Calmer Waters, um, the caregiver's journey through Alzheimer's and dementia? Because there, there's a lot of books out there, uh, more and more coming to play every day about the disease. How do you feel yours is different, and um, where where can people get it? Well, first of all, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, you can get it online at Amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. You can also try to get it at your local library. And if they don't have it, you can request it. So all books um, for caregivers typically say that you need to take care of yourself, which is absolutely true. But my book is different because it contains 20 chapters that are written by experts in their field that tell you specific ways to take care of yourself with healing modalities, ranging from art therapy to animal-assisted therapy, humor, exercise, yoga, breath work. And the beauty of these chapters is, is that they include ways to include the person you are taking care of so that you both feel uplifted and more relaxed. For example, the chapter on art therapy provides concrete art projects to do together, either as individuals or as care partners. And doing things together like that forges a closer emotional bond. So often, Alzheimer's patients are told no no, you can't drive your car anymore, you can't go for a walk anymore because you might get lost. No, you cannot have that third bowl of ice cream, which they all love and I love. But our therapy provides a wonderful way of saying yes. It, it's a, a means of therapy that allows someone to express their feelings and emotions on a piece of paper or some other type of material without being judged. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds. There's dozens and dozens of tools, techniques, things like that, that the caregiver and the care partner can do together. That's one section of my book. The first section of the book is about the spirituality of caregiving. It contains my personal experience and story along with affirmations that can help lift the caregiver, ways to create a beautiful environment to make it easier to create a spiritual connection with your loved one. It includes rituals for dealing with guilt and anticipated grief there's one ritual that's so profound and beautiful that is used to say goodbye to a loved one who is living but greatly diminished by Alzheimer's one of one of my favorite chapters in this section is called the power of words it's always important to speak sweetly to whoever we meet, but it's especially important when we're speaking with to someone who has Alzheimer's disease. And that was one of my greatest challenges, taking care of my husband. 
Because after hearing somebody ask the same question a dozen times in a row, after having a daily tug of war with him over taking his meds, I would sometimes lose my cool. So I I realized it was important to show myself compassion too, though. So I would step back and reevaluate the situation and come back to meet him at his level, at his space. But there's a wonderful story in here that was given by Rabbi Mark Soloway of a congregation in Boulder, Colorado. It's a folk tale that actually opens the first chapter of Joseph Telushkin's book called Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. And in it, he tells a folk tale about a man who went through the community slandering his rabbi. And one day he was feeling very remorseful, so he went to the rabbi to make amends. And the rabbi said to him, take a feather pillow from your home, cut it open, scatter the feathers to the wind, and then come back to see me. So the man did as he was told. He came back and said to the rabbi, am I forgiven now? And the rabbi said, you just have to do one more thing. Go and gather all the feathers. But that's impossible, said the man. The wind has already scattered them. Precisely, said the rabbi. And although you truly wish to correct the evil you have done, it is as impossible to repair the damage done by your words as it is to recover the feathers. So it's just a a nice story, and it's a nice way to remember that we should speak sweetly, especially to the the loved ones we're caring for. Um, So the second section of my book contains essays by other caregivers because, as the saying goes, once you've seen one caregiver, you've seen one. And the same is true for caregivers. Everybody has their way of dealing with a world that has been turned upside down. So these caregivers range from an 88-year-old Baptist minister who grew up in Mississippi as a tenant farmer, and she took care of her husband who had early onset. There's an essay by a Buddhist priest and master. There's an essay by a a physician who was a long-distance caregiver for her father, who was a distinguished mathematics professor. And in her essay, she reminds us that it's so important for children to resolve any issues that you have with your parents, to get rid of resentment and leave all those things behind. And it's important to make a soul connection with the person you're caring for because that person is still that person and they need to be respected and honored. So the third section, which I already told you about, contains all the healing modalities, including dance therapy. There's a wonderful section on aromatherapy, 
written by a former surgical nurse who's now a renowned educator in the field of aromatherapy. And this is something I used um, for my husband whenever he was feeling very anxious or stressed. Sometimes he would get combative. I would use a diffuser that you can plug into the wall and the heat will diffuse the aromatherapy molecules. You sprinkle some of the oil on a little piece of fabric, you stick into this diffuser and plug into the wall and uh, lavender is probably the most commonly used essential oil to calm someone down. But she actually goes into different scents that appeal to men and women, like men usually like earthy, woody, spicy scents, and women typically like floral scents. So whenever I would plug this into the wall, Morris would always say, oh, that smells so great, and it would it would draw people into the room mm-hmm. and help everybody to feel better. And then the last section of my book is about what to do when your caregiving ends. So there's some wonderful words of wisdom in there. And for myself, I found that after grieving for so long and after 10 years of caring for my husband, of course there was a sense of relief, but there's also a different kind of grief. So the grief is final. And I found that I needed to redefine myself. I had been a caregiver for so many years, a fifth of my life, and now it was time to reinvent myself. And I always compare it a, a little bit to how it felt when I sent my kids off to college. My role changed. So I created a book club. I started a writing group, which I lead, and I really threw myself into activity. But again, I want to warn um, people not to overdo it at once. Try to do it gradually. So that's pretty much my book. Okay. Um, It's it's also, um, I'm hearing from people that it's a great resource for all caregivers, not just people caring for someone with Alzheimer's disease because all of these things can be applied to any caregiving situation. Mm-hmm. All caregivers experience stress and depression and sometimes anxiety, and, and all these tools will help anyone, even someone who's perfectly healthy and not a caregiver. Mm-hmm. What were some of your um, favorite tips um, for instant stress relief for yourself and for your husband? Well, for myself, one of my very favorites is to get into a bathtub and I put Epsom salt in, which really seems to magically work out the kinks and the muscles. You can also add some essential oils to that. And there's a chapter in the book on on hydrotherapy. Since I'm a writer, 
Um, keeping a journal is something I found to be a wonderful way to write down my fears and frustrations and it's a it's an instantaneous form of psychotherapy. You don't need to make an appointment with your therapist. You don't need to call your best friend. And it's really amazing how much better I would feel afterwards. And there is a chapter on journaling in the book, and I provide 50 prompts to get you started, such as, I'm angry about dot, dot, dot. I wish I had today is going to be a great day because. So that's another option. Dance is my passion. So I always say that without dance, I probably would have been on antidepressants. And you can just turn on some music in your in your living room at Juniper Village where my husband lived for the past two years of his life they would bring in a jazz ensemble once in a while and it was a great way for us to connect physically and emotionally and we would always leave with smiles on our faces Um, nutrition is a huge huge factor in trying to stay healthy and trying to support the immune system when dealing with a chronic stress situation. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is to eat well. And for myself, I I try to follow the golden rule of having a good breakfast in the morning because having a good breakfast will get you through many, many hours instead of having a cup of coffee and a bagel or a donut on your way out the door or even um, a bowl of cereal with skim milk, you can really improve on that. The brain is 60% fat. So the breakfast I like to recommend is eggs, if, if you can tolerate eggs. Or you can have scrambled tofu with some green veggies. And I know veggies are not a typical thing for breakfast, but green vegetables provide B vitamins and magnesium, which are great for reducing stress. We We need the B vitamin complex absolutely when we're dealing with stress. And also for providing neurotransmitters that help support the feel-good neurotransmitters such as serotonin, which are so important. So having a couple of eggs and an avocado, which provides essential fatty acids, is really important. And you can have that with a piece of sprouted toast or whole wheat or whole grain toast, and green veggies. That was my basic basic meal for wintertime. And then summertime, you can lighten it up a little bit. Okay. Another thing that's so important, and I can't stress enough, is to stay hydrated. 
especially in the summer months when it's just so hot and it's so easy to get dehydrated. And all these things are equally as important for the person that we're caring for. So in the summertime, you can use mint tea, which is cooling, and fruit juices. You just have to be aware that they're high in sugar and calories. But the important thing is to drink plenty of water and stay away from carbonated and caffeinated drinks. So to finish answering your question, um, just taking a walk in nature is a great way to immediately reduce stress and anxiety, and that's something you can do with your care partner almost any time of day and in any weather. If it's cold and rainy, just bundle up, although I don't, I don't like to go out in really cold weather. And in the summer months, it's great to take a walk early in the morning or in the evening when the sun goes down so we don't get overheated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And laughter, I want to emphasize laughter. There's a great chapter in the book about the importance of humor and laughing. Charlie Chaplin said that a day without laughter is a day wasted. And Heather Hans, a clinical social worker, contributed a great chapter on what we can do to incorporate laughter into our day. You can just put on a a two-minute YouTube video on any of any topic of your choice. There's lots of funny animal, dog, baby videos out there that'll put a smile on your face. So those are some of the instant rewards as far as uh, doing something quick and easy and feeling better immediately. Did your husband have a, a favorite thing that he liked to do? Yeah, his was music. Mm-hmm. He was always listening to music. And, oh, boy, I went through about four different headsets for him. He would carry it around with him and listen to music. That was his thing. And the other was watching movies. He loved to watch movies right up until the end, usually action-packed movies. Okay. Was he still and was he still he able said, to track them? Because I know I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how long he was able to track them, but it it made him happy, and that was the important thing. Mm-hmm. Also, he had a really great support network of friends um, who would take him out for lunch once a week, and they would also take him to movies, and that really meant a great deal to him to have a handful of friends who were who stuck with him until the end and they would visit or take him out for lunch and that was a great help for me also mm-hmm. oh, I bet so I bet so um, now in terms of um, your writing the book and things how did family react to it because I know sometimes family doesn't like their story being being shared and and things. What? How did your family react? Well, they are very proud of me, and they're ha- very happy with the book. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I have to be honest. I didn't put everything into the book because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Mm -hmm. So I was very mindful about that. Uh, careful not to put things in that might offend people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there, there are definitely omissions in the book. <laughs> okay, well, and that's that's good to know. I think um, uh, there's a lot of people out there contemplating, you know, doing something. But how how do you do it? And again, it's all about being respectful, but yet you have to be authentic to yourself in terms of right. what it is that you're you want to accomplish. Um, well, my book is not a memoir, so I didn't feel the need to put in every little detail in my life. The, the goal of the book is to help caregivers and uplift them because I went through this experience, and my feeling is that if I had gone through it and not helped other people, my experience was for naught. So I was really strongly compelled to share what I went through and to help other people with what I learned. Mm -hmm. But a memoir is a whole different ball game for people who want to share, you know, their their story, mm -hmm. their personal story. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, one of the things that I liked about your book was, um, you know, A, it's simple to read, but you cover so much. And, you know, in Roseville, Minnesota, one of the things we're looking at is um, starting a kind of a caregiver reentry program where people are trying to find who they are again. And I can see a lot of your book being utilized not only through the caregiving journey, but um, coming out the other side as well in terms of uh, just giving people some options to try because I think in both there's so much stress and so much unknown and kind of feeling out of control um, emotions that we, that we feel um, through both processes there. Well, exactly. And in the last section of, of the book that talks about when your caregiving ends, there are a number of suggestions for what you can do. Um, in addition to just trying to get your body back on track, I noticed that after it was all said and done, I, I took a deep breath and I realized that I really had not been breathing fully all those years. My body was so tense and so tight. And I was finally able to let go. And there's a chapter in here about breathing, how to increase your sense of, of peace through breathing deeply. And there's even an exercise where you can sit next to your care partner and, and match his or her breath and breathe together, which is such a great way for both people mm -hmm. to connect um, and relax together. And I, I list a number of things, suggestions for getting back into the world, such as starting a book club, doing volunteer work, getting involved in an animal-assisted program where you can 
learn how to train your dog to bring to a memory care home and let the residents enjoy the animal, which is one thing that we did. My daughter um, had a an adorable miniature schnauzer, and we would bring it to the memory care home. And one of the ladies there liked to dress it up and pretend it was her baby, mm-hmm. which was really cute. But it always brought a smile to people's faces. So there's a number of, of things that can be done, but the main thing is taking some time for yourself and and learning how to take care of yourself again mm-hmm. and to enjoy your life again. But that's that's the purpose of the the whole book from the beginning. Mm-hmm. How to take care of yourself and stay healthy. Yep. And there's, uh, I mean, it's it's complicated because life keeps twisting and changing, you know, as people are going through this process. And um, we don't always have um, the support that we need. A lot of people don't understand this. And so um, do you find that it's helpful for people to find other people going through the same journey? Um, oh, absolutely. I was part of a a support group at the Alzheimer's Association for people whose spouses or parents were diagnosed with early onset. And I can't say enough good things about the Alzheimer's Association. It's absolutely the most wonderful organization that provides education and support for the caregiver and for the person affected with memory loss. So here I am, six years out. It'll be six years, August 31st, that my husband's gone. And my support group still gets together at least once a year because no one else, there's no one else out there who can understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And we would get together once a month. The people affected with the memory issues would have their separate meeting and Sometimes they would have an activity, um, an art project led by someone skilled in memories in the making program, Mm -hmm. while the caregivers would have our separate meeting led by someone who was trained. And we would discuss whatever came up. And usually there were tears. Sometimes there was laughter, but... We were all in it together, and we supported each other. We went to everyone's funeral, and we were there through the end for everyone, and we're lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, definitely recommend trying to get into some kind of support group through the Alzheimer's Association. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, uh, there's so many different groups out that people can pick from now through... I mean, the Alzheimer's Association has a variety. The, um, I believe the Alzheimer's Foundation does. I know the, the memory and um, Alzheimer's cafes and dementia cafes are popping up all over, which allow people to go with their spouse um, or their loved one with early memory loss and, and helps them get back to being relationship-based and things. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting um, how much things have changed over time and and um, what is available 
uh, for people to, to be able to tap into. Um, it's, it's really, really great. Um, is there anything else specific that you want to share with our audience? Um, well, I'd like to just leave, um, leave your listeners with a few thoughts that it's never too late to start a prevention program for yourself because the statistics show that one in three seniors will die with some kind of dementia and if you have a brain, you're at risk for Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. So remember to eat well, eat a good breakfast, um, try to eat seasonal foods, <clears throat> and try to favor the real colorful fruits and vegetables because they're chock full of antioxidants, which will support the immune system. And now there, there's so much talk and so many theories about inflammation in the body as being a possible cause of chronic disease, including Alzheimer's. Um, I'd like to take a supplement containing turmeric, the Indian spice that makes curry that yellow color. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's just a great way to try to reduce inflammation in the body. Um, I always like to remind people of the importance of exercise. And we've all heard that a million times, but there's a great chapter in my book by Dr. Monica Fleschner, who's a professor researcher at the University of Colorado, and her expertise is on how exercise can reduce stress. So she goes into all the reasons why so important to exercise. Um, sleep hygiene is so important to our cognitive and overall all health. And there are studies coming out showing that sleep deprivation can lead to mental decline. So we want to make sure we're doing all the right things as far as sleep goes. And I'm sure everybody has read articles, but just as a reminder, it's important to turn off the electronics at least an hour or two before bed, and if you do have trouble sleeping, try spritzing some lavender oil, essential oil on your pillow. Um, Sometimes eating a banana before bed or having oatmeal will just boost the serotonin level and help us get through the night. Powdered magnesium is a wonderful thing to use before bed. And making sure your room is a little on the cool side because it helps us to sleep better. Um, So those are some real important things to remember to try to stay healthy and try to support cognition and stave off mental decline. And I've got a blog. I noticed that it's on your website. Mm -hmm. It's called the Healthy Caregiver Blog. And the easiest way to find it is just to put in barbaracone.com 
and my the spelling of my name is a little different. I spell it like Barbara Streisand without the third A. So it's B A R B R A C O H N dot com. And my blog will come up and it's got lots and lots of articles on there for all these topics that we've been talking about. How to support the caregiver how to support the person being cared for, lots of health tips, nutrition tips. So I invite your your listeners to subscribe to my blog, and I invite everyone to find my book, okay. Common Waters, The Caregiver's Journey Through Alzheimer's and Dementia. Well, Barbara, I appreciate you being on the show with us today, and... Um, I really do encourage people to get the book. It's filled with a lot of great information, and I think it's one that, you know, you'll you'll keep as a resource because you'll find that uh, many family and friends, uh, it will help them out as well. But I think you're going to want to put your name in it because you're going to want it back. <laughs> um, and again, you can use this book uh, not only through the the journey with dementia and Alzheimer's, but but really through any journey of care. Um, and that is when you are physically still caring and even after um, kind of that re-entry point. I think you'll get lots of great information there. So thank you so much, Barbara, for taking the time to be with us today. Again, people, you can um, reach Barbara through her uh, her blog um, and just go to uh, Barbara, that's B-A-R-B-A-R, and then cone, C-O-H-N dot com. And, uh, or you can email her at healthywriter1 at gmail.com. Um, I'm sorry, it's healthwriter, healthwriter1 um, at gmail.com. And also, Lori, my, my spelling is B-A-R-B-R-A. Okay. Barb. And thank you so much for having me. And if you do buy the book, my email address, my personal email address is at the back of the book, healthwriter1 at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to offer support and answer questions. So thanks again for having me. Okay. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, you too. Thank you. Um, for those of you that are new to the Alive and Social Network, you might want to check out Apples to Apples on Sunday night um, with Scott and Drew Applebaum. They're a father and son team who have a lot of fun uh, discussing sports. Um, our latest shows here on Alzheimer's Speaks, we talked with uh, the co-founder of GrandPad, which is a great uh, technology connector helping families um, still connect and feel comfortable, even if they're not tech-savvy. We also had a discussion on sports, concussions, and dementia. And we had Brian LeBlanc on with us live, talking about his his life and his diagnosis with dementia and how that has affected him. Coming up next on Thursday the 21st will be Dr. Larry Force, and we're going to be talking about the detoxing of caregivers, the key um, tips for survival strength in patients, uh, which uh, will wrap right in with today's discussion. And then on the 26th, we are going to be talking with a, another caregiver 
who's going to talk about his journey um, through, uh, through caring and how it affected him. As far as our Dementia Chats, which is our webinar platform, where our panel of experts actually has dementia, we just recorded a session on the 12th, and we discussed um, the impact that our words have. We also talked about advocacy and how those uh, diagnosed with the disease are going to pass the wand on to kind of the next generation of advocates. Um, Our next session for Dementia Chats, which again is open to the public and professionals alike as free of charge, will be on the 28th. Um, I take that back. It will be on the 26th um, at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, 8 Pacific, and 4 if you're London, London time. Our Conscious Caring platform, which is a video interview platform, we just got through uh, talking with Vince Zangaro, who is the founder of the Alzheimer's Music Fest, which is down in Atlanta, and uh, will be um, the festival will be on August 6th. And I can't make it there personally myself, but I have been a couple of years ago, and it was really a lot of fun, so check that out. And our next interview on Conscious Caring will be with the co-founder of caregivinganswers.com, and the Senior Providers Network. Uh, what else do I want to tell you? Last, I'm going to be in Iowa um, showing uh, his neighbor Phil on August 10th, and that'll be at the Northeast Iowa Community College. Um, I will be there doing a conference along um, at the Mind Frame Theater in Dubuque. Um, that'll be the, the screening of his neighbor Phil August 10th at 6.30. It's free of charge. There's no need to um, to register to attend. Um, and let's see. On the blog, we had an article about Pat Summit. There's a beautiful poem called 56 Years. And also an article that you might find of interest talking about the lack of health care staff to meet the aging demands. So it's kind of some spooky statistics. I want to wish you a wonderful week, and again, uh, check out alzheimerspeaks.com, and you'll be able to find all of our platforms and resources there. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.